This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, another wave of migrants is crashing on Denver as we speak, with busloads of people arriving every day, pushing our already strained shelter system to the brink. But maybe we're thinking about it all wrong. Me and Bree have got a fascinating guest with us today to get philosophical about the migrant crisis, plus all the other local stories that mattered this week. Oh, hey, a couple more things before we get started. This one features some explicit language, and we'll be off on Monday for Indigenous Peoples Day. Today is Friday, October 6th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city with an airport that is now set to be under construction until... <laughs> let me check my notes. 30, 20, 30, 20... Forever, it says, actually. Forever. Oh, did, the, John, did yeah. our friend John Murray from the Denver Post report that? Because he's the only one I trust on airport no, news. No, that, that, that comes direct from uh, DIA CEO uh, Phil Washington this week. The actual plans now go out to 2045. <laughs> Did you see this news? Oh, so I'll be 65? And it will cool. be under construction your entire life. Excellent. Perhaps, yeah. Great. It looked cool, though. Four new concourses yeah. built right off of the, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I know. I was Whatever. like, I don't. it's not blowing my mind. <laughs> it's okay. Let's move on. It's Friday. We're here at the 5280 Magazine Studios. Bree is here, of course. Hey, Bree. Hi. And uh, we have a excellent guest today. Um, he's one of the musicians behind our theme music. Yes, of uh, many things he does. Uh, part of his band, Los Mocachetes. Uh, and this weekend, he's premiering his first play. He's the author and creative producer behind Kuwau Te Mokzin, which opens tonight at the Holiday Theater. He's Canadian. Just apologies, Diego. Hey, how was <laughs> Diego Flores Arroyo is here. Diego, welcome to the show. What is up? Not not much, man. How, tell us about the play. Shoot. It's been a blessing watching it come to life. Uh, all the different people involved, they're just so creative and experienced. So it's been, I've been learning a bunch. It's my first theater production. So uh, watching all the behind the scenes and helping push it along and serve it has been a blast. I, I can only imagine. I mean, this to, to, to write a play for the first time and now to, to be seeing it, to see actors on stage saying words that you wrote. I mean, what a that must be quite a feeling. And we were talking in the car. He was starting this process on the, as he was, mounting his first full gallery show of visual work too so wow i know you're amazing that was one of my favorite shows of last year it was beautiful it was at alto it was lovely so i appreciate you Bri. I appreciate thank you. you too tell us the content of the play if, if someone is out there listening maybe they're interested in some of your music and they want to see your show what what can they expect 
Uh, Guatemoxin is a mythological impressionist work that takes place in prison. And so it's a story of liberation and uh, connecting mythology, Aztec mythology with uh, the story of Dante, uh, the main character, and his life in prison and his liberations and his uh, triumphs and connecting that to uh, the Aztec culture. Dante Alighieri, like the, the, the purgatory guy, that Dante? Oh. There are definitely connections there. <laughs> and uh, we are going, instead of the nine levels of hell, we're going into the nine levels of Miklan, which are huh. uh, in the Aztec mythology, uh, the nine levels. And so uh, connecting those things, but also uh, connecting Cuauhtémoc, the last emperor of the Aztec people and his decree to the people. And so it's... Uh, words saying that the sun is going to go down. And in that time of darkness, uh, referring to fi- a 500 year period where, uh, where we've seen ha- what happened and how it happened. And now that sun has risen now. And so we see all of these different cultures emerging and uh, people reconnecting to their roots. And so it's really beautiful to see. Wow. That is uh, that is quite a concept for a play. What a, what an interesting thing that you've, that you've created. Um, I assume tickets are still available at the Holiday Theater. Yes, indeed, on Eventbrite. Just, okay. just search us. Very cool. All right, we'll put the link in the show notes too. Um, but let's get to our, our top story of the week. Um, and, and this is something we're excited to hear your thoughts on, Diego. Um, but we have to talk about this because ever since last December, migrants from Central and South America have been arriving in Denver. The city's been providing services uh, now to more than 22,000, but the numbers are up sharply in the last few weeks. Nearly 300 people are arriving in the city per day. Apparently, nine buses from Texas arrived in Denver on Sunday alone. City services are strained. Um, Obviously, this is happening at the same time that we're dealing with this unhoused crisis, and there's just a lot of demands on our shelter system. Uh, Diego, have you been following this story? Yes, uh, since 2020. Like, uh, a lot of uh, the news about the caravana and uh, people leaving, you know, and starting to come up. Uh, My mother lives in Juarez, Chihuahua, and so uh, always going down to visit her uh, and seeing people getting stuck there at the border. Like, uh, it's been crazy watching uh, the different checkpoints where people are. I take the bus a bunch, and so uh, connecting with these people, it's like... uh, at the bus stop, it's like, hey, what time is it? And and like, I speak Spanish fluently. And so it's like able to communicate. And it's like, yeah, whatever, where are you from? This and that. And just like regular um, small talk. And so really uh, hearing from the community that they're like, man, like this is not what I thought mm. it was going to be like. I don't in even- Denver, you mean? Like uh, in the United States. Oh, okay. It's like uh, one uh, experience that I had was, is like, man, they don't even say hi. People don't say hi to you here. Like, there's not music. Like, you know, in the, in, they were like, well, in my country, it's like there's music everywhere. And like, it's like this immersive, like, just beauty of, of just uh, community. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, people know people and everyone knows each other. And it's like, hey, what's up? Good morning. Buenos dias. You know, and just so. So it's like a, not a culture shock, but just kind of like a, I, this is not what I thought. This is not my be. home. Yeah. Hmm. How are they, how, have you talked to anyone about how they're f- just feeling? I feel like this is an overwhelming experience to yeah. be traveling in this way. And- I could only imagine that amount of miles and uh, in that amount of time too. And like to get here and feel like this, this sucks and feel not received, but also too like uh, having a bunch of resources like, uh, 
from the government, from the, the city, from trying to make it happen with uh, the best uh, the best that they can. But at the same time, too, it's, it doesn't matter what where you come from or what uh, your social economic status is. It's like uh, the spectrum of people is crazy. There's good people and there's bad people. So it's like just the amount of people that we're getting, it's like we're getting the whole spectrum. And so um, I have a brother that works in the shelters. And so uh, he's been telling me, it's like, man, like the, you get all the good and all the bad in the shelter in the same room at the same time, you know, because it's like, this is, these are people's closed doors. You know, these are people's homes. These are, you know, these shelters for the meantime. And it's like, um, have heard from some people that it's like, I would rather just be outside of the shelter because it's like chaos inside of there. The resources aren't enough The, you know, and so it's like a constant battle to try to help, you know, and, uh, it's crazy to see. Uh, Brian, I want to ask you something about, um, uh, point Diego just made. You mentioned that some folks are not feeling welcome. Um, yeah. Brie, how do you feel like the city has responded? <clears throat> Did you feel like we've been welcoming? I mean, I th- I think, yes, but it's such a complicated situation. Like, we can't meet everyone's needs immediately, I'm sure. And the, I think we're also looking at unprecedented levels of, like, the influx. Just the amount of people makes it harder to serve folks. So I can, I can also just see the thing that you're saying, too, about, like, people not saying hi and stuff. I've heard that from folks that have moved here from all over, like, all kinds of places, like Wisconsin. But, you know, like, people aren't friendly here, which bums me out. Because I feel like we are. But I would just say that I think the city is doing its best. I just imagine that the sheer amount and like what you're uh, expressing, Diego, about the shelters. We've heard that from unhoused folks about the shelters anyway. It's just kind of chaos. And so I think the city seems to be doing, I don't know, I, I guess anecdotally too, just talking to folks in my neighborhood, talking to my friends. Nobody's against it. Yeah. It's more just like, what can we do? Can we help? What, you know, how can we? And the city's been pretty open, like, hey, here's ways to volunteer. Here's places we're taking donations. So I, I would say the city, I think, is doing the best it can. But I don't work inside the shelter, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, and I, um, I mean, I have heard from some folks who uh, are working in the shelter system. I, I mentioned this anecdote earlier this week, but I, I followed up on it to see what the city's done anyway. The story, if you missed our Tuesday episode, was um, someone in the shelter system told me about uh, uh, late at night last week running into a family of migrants on the street, like a couple of young people, a mom um, who had just been turned away from a shelter because there was no space. And, yeah. and the person I talked to said she didn't know what was going to happen with that family. She was pretty sure they were going to sleep on the street that night. So I looked into this and what the city has done about this. And I saw that just this week on October 2nd, they implemented a new policy um, in response to this strain on shelter capacity that says adult migrant guests without children will be accommodated in shelter facilities for 14 days rather than 21, while migrant families with children will be allowed to stay for 37 days instead of 30. So it's like a reshuffling. Yeah, shifting the influx of people by prioritizing families. Exactly. Which I I understand that. Exactly. To me says somebody made a really difficult decision there. Yeah, I was like, it sucks to just tell somebody you've got two weeks because- 100%. You know, I've also heard we're kind of like a way station. Like folks are not coming to Denver to be in Denver. They're trying to get to their families, maybe in Chicago or New York, where I know a lot of families already are. So I imagine that that might be part of- it as we as folks continue on their journey. Yeah, Diego, tell us more about that. You said you've been going back and forth to Chihuahua visiting your mom. 
are are you seeing people traveling? Like what what is that what is that experience like from from your perspective? So when I travel to Juarez, I usually take a bus and then I walk over the border. And uh, when I walk over the border into Mexico, uh, there's a lot of people just like congregated at the border, you know, at the different entrances. And uh, it's like families, you know, it's it's different people. And uh, in Juarez as well, they're like trying to help. My mom has taken down clothes and stuff to to that spot to make to, to help. You know, everyone's trying to help. I think also it's like to be clear of why they're why they left their homes. Right. It's not like uh, it was a choice. You know, they knew that this was going to be hard when they left, and so. Uh, but also too, we have to remember what they're what why they left. Uh, that is different for everyone. But if we look at the economics in in some of these countries and some of the uh, just like. Um, the history that goes along the with politics. it and the, the corruption yeah. the and so it's like uh you want the best for your kids and you want the you want your children to be safe and you want to be safe yourself you know and have an opportunity to to be okay you know that's the american dream that's what we've been uh advertising all this time all these years and to get here and it be a far uh, from your expectation, you know, it's like, dang, I just, I just walked for three years, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, for no reason, definitely, uh, thankful to, to live in a city that acknowledges and accepts them because uh, that isn't true for every city. So I think that that is something that we need to champion Denver for, for sure. Yeah, I, I yeah. completely agree. I mean, a big part of this issue, why a lot of people are coming to Denver is because the governor of Texas, Craig Abbott, is putting people on buses and sending them here. Now, although that's another interesting aspect of this, because our governor, Polis, got into some hot water for doing basically the same thing, sending busloads of folks to Florida and New York City yeah. earlier this year. Now, I've heard that people don't want to stay in Denver necessarily. Like about a quarter of folks will say they're trying to get to somewhere else. But Yeah, because I think folks' families are already somewhere else and they've established themselves in some capacity. Like I'm thinking, I read this great um, profile of kid candy sellers on the subway in New York City. Okay. And this um, this reporter just started talking to these kids. Like, how did you get here? Why are you here? What are you doing? And like, their families are from Ecuador and they came here. And a lot of them is like, they need money. The families need money. Kids sell more candy than adults. And these kids are helping their family survive and they just want to like be in school. So it's like, but it's like their family was our, some of their family had trickled up from Ecuador. And so they just kept coming to Queens or wherever. And so I, I think you make a good point though, Diego is like, <clears throat> we have to understand people are coming here for all kinds of reasons. And it's not just like, I just thought I'd come to America. It's like, I'm escaping something or I'm trying to get to somewhere better or more humane for my kids. I mean, it's just like so much more complicated than I think this giant picture is of like hundreds of people crossing the border. Why do you think it's happening? You know, it seems like such a simple thing, but I don't think folks think about everybody's got a story hmm. and experience. You know, speaking of expectations, this is maybe a tiny bit of a tangent, but Diego, I, I really want to ask you about this. I, I just, I've heard that Denver is quite popular in northern Mexico and specifically the Broncos like have a big fan base in Juarez and Chihuahua 
So I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking about like what people might be expecting when they come here. But is that true? Have you ex- seen that? Have, do you know about that? Uh, to answer your question, yes. yes. <laughs> really. But okay. Also, you get a lot of uh, Cowboys and Raiders too. You know, a lot of Chargers. <laughs> okay. You know. All right. But also uh, on that topic. Uh, remembering that these lands are all connected. This is earth. And so it's like uh, outside of the border, people are always migrating. And this is a trade route that has been thousands of years. And so it's like uh, we can report that and count how many people got on this bus and this and that. But we find pots from Chile in Alaska and in Canada and things from Alaska and Canada down in in Guatemala and Chile. And so it's like we are uh, constantly exchanging. And so I think with the internet, it's the dialect of Spanish that I speak is different than the modern dialect of Spanish of someone that is living in Mexico because of meme culture. And so it's like things are constantly evolving and like uh, it's really interesting all of the different nuances that we uh, get. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. That's something I've always loved about the Southwest is the mixing of cultures on that historic trade route you're talking about. It's a fascinating place Which still exists. I think that's the point to your making is like, I think I I never thought about it that way until I remember a couple of years ago, I did an interview with Maruka Salazar, who used to run Museo de las Americas. And and she was like, we are in the middle of a migrate. This is a migratory pattern. It has been for hundreds of years where Colorado exists and the arbitrary geographical lines that have been created don't change the fact that this is the way people move. It's just how people move. People go along the river. Yeah. I love it. I love that perspective. I think that's a great place to end this part of the show, but we are going to go on a quick break and we're going to be back with wins and fails. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is, like, surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, houseplants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. 
All right, and we're back. It's time to end the week the way we like to every week with another round of Rocky Mountain highs and lows, a.k.a. wins and fails. So we're going to start with fails, and uh, we each brought one. Recent local fail of the week. Uh, Bree, do you want to start? <sighs> yes. Well, okay. Hit us with that fail. Fellow Nuggets fans, you may have seen this guy on the sidelines last season. Uh, we called him Red Pant Man. Turns out he does have a TikTok under Red Pant Man. He was this guy that wore like salmony red colored pants. Mm-hmm. And when people, okay, in Colorado, in Denver, you don't get celebrities that sit on the court side, right? We don't have Spike Lee. We don't have Cardi B. We don't have. We cool. got uh, Doctor. What's his name? We have the guy that Duh. played the horrible teacher <laughs> in that horrible show, Community. What's his name? He's so funny. I Ken like him. Jong? And I can't, yeah, that's Ken Jong. He Ken was Jong. okay. Oh, so I have we a huge had Ken Jong fan. We had him last year. Yeah. He was our one guy. But Red Pant Man was kind of as close as we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Well, a reporter went snooping around. Red Pant Man sucks, you guys. Mm-hmm. He's been sort oh. of pilfering profits <laughs> off no. of a community bank he was an investor of to buy a, pr- a private plane. There was this great quote. Uh a single branch community bank has no apparent need for any aircraft, let alone a veritable airline, is a line from the lawsuit. But he was an investor in the Solera National Bank, which is in my neighborhood. It's on huh. my side of town. And it was created, it's a one branch community bank specifically for the Latino community. And this dude is stealing money. To buy an airplane for <laughs> is he himself? stealing it or well, is he? Because it's not. It's, if he's an I'm investor, sorry. maybe he's just like he's misusing funds. Maybe. Okay. And I just, okay. I just want to. It just bummed me out because I was like, I wanted to have a good story for Red Pant Man. <laughs> I know this is not a fun one. Red Pant Man sucks. They got Red Pant Man red handed. I guess. Boo. Yeah. Boo. Boo. <laughs> red handed. You're fired. What up? Sorry, Red Pant Man. You're on notice. I don't even think uh, I'm going to throw out my red pants now. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. can't wear them. People might How many think pairs you're, you got? I mean, you're a stylish man. They're gone. We don't need to think <laughs> about them. them. <laughs> We're you burning never had them. them. They're being burned. Um, all right, Diego, it's your turn. What, what's your what's your fail of the week? Your Rocky Mountain low. Ooh. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> it's super low. You ready? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not even just Rocky Mountain. It's just I feel like the state of the times. Mm. It just fucking hurts. <laughs> Oh, Sorry. it just really hurts. Capitalism. <laughs> Capitalism. Okay. And I'm going to break it down a little bit more. Okay. Uh, my win and Wait, my no. fail oh, they're the same. are the same. Oh. You know, that's It's funny. choosing to be an artist. My fail is choosing to be an artist. <laughs> you, your choice to be an artist. My choice to be an artist You're has just... failed me. <laughs> okay. But it's also winning you because. Yeah, but we're talking about opening. the fail. Yeah. Okay. Tell, tell us more about the fail. What, okay. what do you mean? As an artist, you have no boss. So direction is completely up to you. You have no one that signs your checks mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Like uh, you, have, you have to pay your own taxes. You have to file all of your own stuff. It does suck. And not only that, gigs are not insured at all so it's like even if we talked about oh we're gonna do this and this and that it does not mean anything you can show up and they're like actually like we're not paying you we just actually didn't um we never confirmed and it's like i'm in alamosa right now (laughs) like are you serious like i like not confirmed why am i here you know what i mean like i drove my van here yeah, like I, I, I spent $100 to be here. Like, 
This sounds I, like I a need, PSA for kids to not become artists, uh, Diego. Like I, I mean, it's it's tough. You know what I mean? But also too, it's 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 like every turn of the way, it, like with any job. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, and that's why I relate it back to capitalism. You know, it's like I feel like I am forced to be exceptional just to break even at this point. And so if that isn't a fail, I don't know what is. (laughs) Existential fail. I'll take it. That's a heavy fail. It is a heavy fail. That's a thinker. Deep, deep stuff. Paul, what about you? Um, My fail is, uh, this is a story from the Denver Post this week. Um, Maybe you all have seen some of these stories, but it's just someone collecting all of these incidents of uh, more and more drivers across Colorado are going off-road and getting stuck. People are just like driving their cars up the Diego mountain. and I were just talking about ego in the car on the way here. And like, this is what ego does. Yeah. Ego gets you stuck when you shouldn't be driving your car into a natural environment. Like, why? Like, don't drive your car up to the peak no. of a 14er. That's not the thing. That's not a good thing to do. That's, it's a that's rental, whole- Paul. <laughs> Well, according, there is one person who has a theory on this. This is from the Denver Post article. Brian O'Connors, he's a board member with the Colorado Four-Wheel Drive Association, which, honestly, can't believe that exists. I know. Squad. He I said, know. What does he yeah. do? He says, um, when you're spending $100,000 at the Land Rover dealership and the salesman tells you this thing will go anywhere, you kind of believe him, <sighs> even though you don't know how to drive everywhere. I'm like, That's his explanation for this phenomenon. Have some ownership, sir. Have some accountability. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so just because the car can drift doesn't mean you can make it drift, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you should try to make it drift. Maybe Man. you shouldn't even try. Especially not on federal. Oh my God, don't even get me started. <laughs> it might be safer to go up a mountain. Uh, seriously. Uh, there's some really funny videos of these cars going up mountains and like falling back down uh, at the mm-hmm. in the story. I'll put I, a link in the show notes. I, I encourage like videos y'all. like that. I might watch that. A little schadenfreude. Yeah. Um, but come on, stop driving off road up mountains, folks. I know. All right, we're going to go for one more quick break and we'll be back with Rocky Mountain Highs. All right, and we're back. Rocky Mountain Highs. Rocky Mountain Highs. Wrapping up the show with the wins. <laughs> Actually, you know what, Diego? I think you should go first. You said you said your win was the same side of the, or the, different, the other side of the same coin of yes. capitalism. So As it, life is, yeah, we must be observers of both sides. If you're living just in the good, that's an issue. If you're living in just the bad, that's an issue. You must ob- observe them both at the same time. And so um, this project has been completely fulfilling in all the ways except for financially. <laughs> and the, that the play. And, yes. Okay. Yes, and and it's it's nothing and, and what I mean by that is that um the amount of attention and uh detail that I want to put in the play needs to be there in order to uh fulfill the vision that we are all creating. And so um, that undying want to create a beautiful piece of art definitely outweighs what anyone will pay me because this is priceless. This is a piece of the spirit itself. And so um, creating uh, now in the fourth dimension with space and time, uh, with given circumstance, like the stage is the canvas. And so it's like everything that we include and exclude is 
for a reason. Making all of those decisions based on a 90-minute experience is a ocean of decisions. So um, in that, I have been loving and uh, fruiting and blossoming in my service as a producer. Like, I I feel um, this is definitely something that I have always wanted to do, but didn't know was available. I dropped out of school when I was a sophomore in high school, and I'm super thankful to be 27 years old, a full-time artist and musician, and now coming up on my 10-year anniversary of being an artist. Not full-time, but... uh, like committed to my art for 10 years now. And uh, we're, we have a uh, free music for free people, um, 10 year anniversary celebration that we are doing. And that's like a huge win. Free music for free people uh, started as a group of friends that were trying to play music at 15, 16 years old and not being uh, able to uh, find a place to accept us to play our music and do our thing. And we did it ourselves at the Gypsy House Cafe on 13th oh, and Marion. And we, we did peace, that Gypsy and that House. learned that in that process, we were able to learn how to put on shows, how to do it ourselves. And from that, those seeds, now we are here we are 10 years later and super thankful to be able to give this piece of work to the community regardless of of anything other than true love for the craft and the experience is there a free music for free people event happening this weekend oh yeah and you can come on down to it at culture club dance hall on colfax and federal we're going to be doing an after party for the play as well. So if you want to see a bunch of awesome people that have been a part of Free Music for Free People throughout the t- last 10 years, as well as hang out with the cast of Guacamoxine and hear a couple DJ sets from me and some friends, uh, come on down. Shout out to Mona. That's a hot ticket. Yes, Our big, dear, big, dear big friend shout Mona, out to Mona's. Who's one of the driving forces behind Free Music for Free People. <laughs> Lovely human being. Cool. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know you guys were doing that. All right. So, Diego, I'm going to put you down for a win for capitalism. Um, <laughs> I think that's what you meant. That's what I took uh, Maybe from that. a win no, for yeah, art I'll, under capitalism. No, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> capitalism stays winning, right? Yeah. You do have to give it up. Somebody Sometimes ha- a win is more about recognizing <laughs> that someone pulled something off. I mean, somebody has to win for somebody to lose, right? <laughs> there you go. That's Too true. true. Too true, my friend. Brie, how about you? Mine's really simple. Uh, we actually... if. We're having fall. We get a real fall. Okay. I feel like yeah. the last couple of, I'm just saying the last couple of years is like 90 degrees, 90 degrees, 90 degrees. Why is it 90 degrees in October? I hate this. And I never even was a fall person until I was not capable of wearing my Uggs for a full season. And I busted those babies out yesterday. The Uggs are out. I'm not wearing Watch them right out. now because they actually keep you too warm. But I just want to shout out, we actually get to enjoy lower temps. It's good. I don't. We'll see if we get the snow before or after Halloween. That's always the. That's the old school gauge of Denver. But um, just shout out to the seasons for coming, <laughs> making an appearance out, and coming back. Shout out to the rotation of the planets. And it worked this right? time. <laughs> now it could really start dressing. You know what I mean? Paul, do you have a fail? Um, a win. A win. I mean, a win. A win. Sorry, a win. I have a really Jeez. good win. Okay. Um, my win is well, towing. So towing. We've been talking about a lot on the show. Yes. Most recently, a month ago, Senadora Julie Gonzalez came on, talked about her experience getting towed. What a badass. A lot of people have been towed. Love Julie. Oh, yeah. yeah she's the what best. a badass. Um, huge problem here. And um, everyone's been trying to figure out what to do about it. 
there was a report in the Denver Post uh, on this person who has a really good idea, I think. His name is John Connolly. He's the president of the Towing and Recovery Professionals of Colorado. So he, that's a trade group that represents right. towing operators. Which would make you think this guy's on the wrong side of this for consumers. Exactly. But he's not. He is not. He is not. It's fascinating. Um, and what fascinating I like about guy. is this this John Connolly guy thinks like an economist. So he sees the system and he's like, the incentives are all wrong. Right now, the person who pays is the consumer. But what we should go back to is the way we used to do this. I don't know when the system changed, maybe 10 years ago. I think other Longer places do it this that, way too. But we should go back to making property owners pay for tows. Because yes. if the consumer pays, then companies like Wyatt's Towing have this incentive to just basically go out and tow look for cars that are parked wrong and tow whoever they want. Which I loved was kind of their argument. Yeah. They were like, we could tow anybody we want. Why would we, you know, like, why would we just randomly tow only the, like, if we really wanted to, we could tow everyone. I'm like, that's not a great argument. It just makes you sound worse. Yeah, it makes them sound terrible, but I don't think they're wrong. I don't think they're like, I mean, there's an investigation happening right now. This, yeah. the, the attorney general's looking into them and some of the shady business practices. Like, some, there's like three dudes that own like nine companies that are, they say not connected, but they're all profiting off of this same scheme. Gangster stuff. And um, anyway, and John Connolly. Great, great idea. Thanks, thanks for bringing the, the economist mind. Well, and I think change the incentives with that thought, and then with the legislators already on board working on this, like Julie and some other folks, like already. I think we have. It might be one of those things where we see a real change in the next couple of years. Like we're not going to wait decades. This is like something that could change for consumers pretty soon. It do, it feels fixable. I think it so too. It feels fixable. I love that. Great win, Paul. Thank you so much. Welcome. Spectacular. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I you. Loved it. Thank you. Feels like a real. <laughs> feels like a real. It could yeah. happen. <laughs> I, when I saw that story, I got I got kind of excited. It was like this feels like we could do it. Yeah. Well, Diego, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a blast. It was really fun. Thanks, Diego. It was a blessing. I love each of you. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Natalie Rivera, and Olivia Jewell-Love. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by our guest today, Diego Flores Arroyo and the rest of Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, rate us five stars, follow us on Instagram at CityCast Denver, and tell DIA CEO Phil Washington about us the next time you're waiting in line at security. You can sign up for that daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. No, no, that's a PK lock. You expect that snow before Halloween this year.